Amen. Amen. Um, I, th- I think I tell you this every week. I- I'm just so thankful to be in this church family. Uh, we-, we just have the most beautiful people in our church family. And uh, I'm just moved. Thank you for each one who was involved in the service today. Each one. Just so grateful for pointing us to the Lord and letting us know what he does when we ask him into our, li- into our lives. He showers his love on us and he brings us into a family like this. Well, I, I just want to say a few words here because I have somebody that I really want to have you hear from. Um, the question I've just been having all week is, who are you? Who are you? And usually when, when we ask that question, we say, well, my name is Gil or, you know, something like that. But in our society, when you give a name, it's just sort of a label. It might have been the most popular name when we were born. But in Jesus' day, um, when a person would have a name, a, a parent would give a name to, to a child to try to constitute what they hoped their child would become. Uh, and, and sometimes they had to chi- change the child's name when they got older. <laughs> My parents gave me the name Gregory. It means awake or alert. And I think when I couldn't get up in the morning, they wanted to change my name to something else, for sure. But in, in the Bible's time, uh, a name meant an identity. It, it's who we are. To know a personal name to know, was to know something about a person. And one of the things that Jesus does when he comes into our lives is he, he's come to give us a new name. And, and, and a new identity that we belong to him, that we are loved by him. And the few verses in the Gospel of Mark, visitors, we've been going through Mark all through this fall. In the Gospel of Mark that we come to today is something that just drives this home. That Jesus came to establish a family like we've been celebrating today where we have a new name, a new identity. We belong to him. So I'll just show it to you. It's in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 19. I want us to stand because we want to hear our father's word, the father over this family. Mark chapter 3, and this is when Jesus started it, calling the first ones in who are going to be a part of this new work. Verse 13 of Mark 3. Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed twelve designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And these are the 12 he appointed Simon to whom he gave the name Peter James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. And to them, he gave the name Boanerges that means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Last year, um, Pam Swanson, do you know Pam? Pam is the head of our Beyond Barriers ministry, that with the presence of Jesus, whatever we see in one another, we go beyond the barriers that most human beings would give us. Right, right, Pam? And she and Pastor Bill Mead were talking to me about some things. And I wrote about this in the worship folder, but I think nobody ever reads it. So I'm going <laughs> to I'll tell you again. Um, she, she told me about just how to talk about people. 
that when people have some uh, evident uh, disabilities, you don't just go to a person and say, you are disabled, as if that's an identity. But you might speak in this way, you are a person who has a disability. Now, some people might say, that's, that's just language, semantics. Well, what do you think? You're wrong if you think otherwise. It, 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 means, it means something very significant. It's huge. The difference between calling a person a person made in the image of God, loved by Jesus, a person for whom Jesus died, <clears throat> a person in whom the Spirit of God dwells, that's altogether different from identifying a person by any secondary sort of a trait. And actually, that's what happens in, in, in Mark chapter 3. Jesus is wanting us to know that when we follow him, you and I have a whole new identity. In a few moments, we're going to be hearing, hearing from the Barrick family. And, and, in, and Jen, who's going to be speaking some, uh, has written a book. And in that, she talks about this in one of your prayers, Jen, that you have this deep desire to make sure that you are known as, as a true follower of Jesus. Uh, not simp- that people will see Christ in you. And that's what he came to do. That we will know, people will know that we belong to Jesus. So in this text that I read to you, uh, Jesus is calling together a new family. And he's going to give us a new name. And I thought the shortest way I could do it is just show you that text. And, and show you some of the things that happened that you might not notice just when you read it. Uh, for example... Uh, Jesus is creating something new here when he calls people to himself. And the word says he appointed 12. And the word is epoiosen in, his, in Greek. And it, it means he is creating something. He is making something new. He's going to make a work of art. That just like in the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes. And God was going to create a people through whom Messiah, through whom Jesus would come. Now that Jesus has come. He is going to create a new work of art in this world, and he's going to draw people into it. He's going to remake us and send us out to do the same thing in other people's languages. That's that's what he and he uses that word twice, both in verse 14 and 16. The other thing I want you to see is he named, he named, he appointed the word. These are the 12 he's appointed. The word is onomasen, and it means he named them. He gave them a new identity, and the identity was to represent him in the world. Uh, He sent them to do what he did, preach and to drive out the demons. So he sent them out so that when people would see them, they would see him at work through them. And the other thing I want you to notice about that text is that with a couple of the people, he changed their personal name. So I'm going to give you a whole new calling and identity. Your name's going to be Peter, he said to Simon, the rock, because I'm going to build something beautiful upon you as foundation. And then these, this James and John that he called Boanerges, sons of thunder. Nobody has any idea why he called them that. So if you have a guess, your guess is as good as any scholar ever. Go ahead and guess. But all I know is this, that Jesus had a new calling for them, and so they needed to have a new name. Now, when you look at those verses, it was speaking specifically to those first 12, the 12 apostles. But I'll tell you, he spoke to them because he was creating a whole new family, like we've been celebrating today. And in this new family, a part of their new identity becomes ours. So who are you when you follow Jesus? Who are you? So I'm going to just give you a couple of things to take home. Then I'm going to turn it over to the barracks. Number one, who are you? You are a person wanted by Jesus. He called those he wanted. You see in verse 13? Now, some of these were messed up people, like all of them. And yet he loved them. And he loves you and me. That has not changed. You are a person loved and wanted by Jesus so much that he came to give his life for you and me. 
I love that song. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. I'm one of the ones he wants. And that Jesus loves you. Did you point at me? Even you. Dwayne, did you point at me? when? I can't believe it, Greg, but even you. So you see, who are we? We are people wanted by Jesus. What else do we see here? We are people being recreated by Jesus. The whole notion of that he came to create something new. And we're a part of that. Uh, the, the word in Ephesians 2 is that we are his poem, his, his creative masterpiece. So we look at ourselves and it's kind of like when you see a painter begin a work that when you see it in the very first stages, it may not look all that great. But I'll tell you, the more you watch it, the more you see how beautiful it is. That's us. I want you to look at yourself. And even if you still see times where you fail, look at yourself and know that you are a person wanted by Jesus. And he wants you because he wants to recreate you into something beautiful. Part of his work. Three. We are people who have the privilege of walking daily with Jesus. He called them to be with him. I love that phrase. Called them, and that's what he calls us to do. I think, Jen, you're going to point this out, that he never leaves us or forsakes us. Never. And that's what, We are here in the presence of God when we worship together. Amen? When you're a follower of Jesus and you leave this place, who goes with you? The basic meaning of being a disciple of Jesus is we do life with him. Paul almost never used the word Christian for us. He used the word in Christ or with Christ. So that, that's a part of our identity. Wherever we go, he is there and he is with us. We are wanted by Jesus. We are being recreated into something beautiful by Jesus. It happens because he walks daily with us forth and we are also sent. He named them sent ones. And just as the Father sent him, he sends us to represent him in the world. Uh, Our prayer is that when people see us, they will see Christ at work within us. And our words will represent him. And our actions will show people the difference that Christ can make in any life. See, when he calls us in, it's not just to work in us, but to send us out. Every follower of Jesus is sent. So wherever he sends you, view yourself as one who goes there to represent Jesus himself. It is a high calling. Whether you go into the legal profession, the entertainment world, um, the unemployment line, you say, I don't want to be there, but he might need you to represent him there. You go there as a sent one. That's who you are. Who else are you? We are people who belong to the family of God through faith in Jesus. You know, I always call it the unexpected family. You look at a gathering like we've had here today and you say, how, how can that people all be in one family? We are growing more and more to show the traits of our heavenly father. And at the end of chapter three, I mean, I don't know when I'll ever get back to chapter three with us as a church family. So you have to read to the end. And at the end, there are two places where people in Jesus day had a place of belonging, their own sort of church gatherings, their synagogues and their families, biological families. And both of them rejected Jesus. And yet he said, even though they did, I have a place where I belong, where I belong. You are my family. You are my brothers and sisters. I just take that and I say that that's us. Uh, So we have a lot of secondary identities. Who who are you? Well, I'm a Laker fan or a Bulls fan. When you become a follower of Jesus, you you still are going to be one of those, right? Um, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. I'm a um, a brunette, a blonde, or a hair-challenged person. (laughs) I mean, all those 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 things are true of us, right? 
And yet we have a new core identity, a core identity, that when we say, who am I? I am his. All that he makes us to be centers in all that he is. So I'm just going to stop there for a while because we have this wonderful Barrick family with us. Um, you'll get to meet them uh, in just a moment. We have Father Andy, Mom Linda, uh, Son Joshua, and Daughter Jen. They experienced something none of us would have asked for. And yet God has turned it into one of the greatest, greatest demonstrations of His glory. So what we'll do is we'll just watch a video for a moment. And when the video is over, or as it's coming, come up and tell us what God has put on your heart. So let's, uh, let's see what the Lord will say to us this morning. Everything in Jennifer Barrick's life was going perfectly. God had given her wonderful opportunities to grow through cheerleading, soccer, and music. On November 5, 2006, Jennifer was singing in her first choir concert, excited to be praising her Lord in song. On the way home that evening, the Barrick family was struck head-on by a drunk driver going 80 miles per hour. All family members sustained life-threatening injuries, but 15-year-old Jen was not expected to live through the night. But God miraculously intervened. Thank you for that warm welcome. It is wonderful to be here at Lake Avenue Church. And we are the barracks. On the end is our son, Joshua. Um, This is Linda, my wife, beautiful wife of 24 years. And this is, yeah, thank you. She stayed with me. (laughs) And uh, this is our beautiful daughter, Jennifer. So excited to be here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get started. Lord Jesus, we bow before you and we surrender our lives to you. And Lord Jesus, we want to take up our cross and follow you. And I pray today that you'd give every person in this room your strength, your courage to follow after you no matter what comes their way. And we know there are no accidents with you, Father God. And we pray that what we say and do in the next few minutes will bring you honor and glory and that Jesus Christ would be made famous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Quickly, let me take you back to November 5th, 2006. We were in a church service much like this at our home church in Lynchburg, Virginia. It was Sunday night, Thomas Road Baptist Church. Jennifer was singing in her first choir concert. Linda's father was speaking that night. We invited a bunch of people after the service over to our house to watch Sunday night football. We went to Kentucky Fried Chicken to get chicken for the party. And we started home down a road that we traveled probably three times every day. Little did we know that there was a young man, 26 years old, who had been drinking all day. His blood alcohol level was 0.33. That's four times the legal limit in the state of Virginia. He had been smoking marijuana. He had already hit someone about a half hour earlier. He fled the scene, went to an area and passed out in his truck. The law enforcement officers came on the scene. They had him out of the truck. They interrogated him. They put him back in his vehicle. He started up his truck and came at us 80 miles an hour with his lights off. He literally hit us with such force that he dropped the engine out of his truck and ran right over top of our family van. From that day forward, we've been relying on Jesus every step of the way. We were medevaced to four different hospitals. We did not go home as a family for three and a half months. Jennifer was 15 at the time. She took the full impact 125 miles per hour on the left lobe of her skull and her brain. She has permanent brain damage in four areas of her brain. What God is allowing her to do now and taking our story around the world, it's incredible. See, Satan meant for evil that night. But I believe with all my heart that God reached down and said, Andy, Linda, Jennifer and Josh, we have a different plan you're not going to come home. We should not be here tonight. We should be in heaven. But he said, no, 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 I got a different plan for your life. We're here today to say, no matter what you encounter in this life, no matter what trial or tribulation, that you can cling to the promises in God's word. He will, pastor, never leave us or forsake us. That's the message. We want you to see Jesus today. We don't want you to see the Barrack family because I will I will tell you we are so weak in in and of ourselves. It's only by the strength of a relationship with Jesus. And he says it in Second Corinthians twelve nine. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So we're so excited to be here. We're going to share some lessons that God has taught us over the last six years. And I hope it's going to be a blessing to you today. As Pastor Greg was speaking on identity, I couldn't help but think, you know, God has given our whole family a new identity. We have a new ministry called Hope Out Loud, and you can go to HopeOutloud.com and watch all kinds of videos, and you'll see Jen on Fox and Friends and the Today Show and how God could take a tragedy and turn it into something beautiful, something that he can use to shout to others that God is real and that God is faithful and that he never leaves us or forsakes us, but he's given our family new opportunities to spread his word and um, our ministry is called hope out loud because 
that's what God did through Jen in the hospital. He gave us hope out loud through what she was doing and saying. And I'm just going to share a little bit of that with you. Um, Jennifer was not supposed to live through the night. She was a Glasgow scale of three, and dead people are three. And at the scene of the wreck, she was basically almost dead. And we just prayed. And Josh and I, we, we came to first in the vehicle, and we were praying and crying out to God for mercy. And thousands of people all over the country were praying for her. And then she was in a coma for five or six weeks, and the doctor said she'll never wake up, she'll never come out of that coma, and she she started to emerge from this coma. And when you emerge from a coma, well, Jen, why don't you just talk about that? Okay. Um, well, it's not at all how they show on movies. It took weeks. Um, I had to relearn how to do everything. My physical body was so injured. I had to relearn how to walk, how to talk, how to read, how to write, how to get dressed, how to brush my teeth, how to swallow, everything that we do on a daily basis. I forgot how to do all of it. But it was so neat during this time how even though my physical body was so broken, my spiritual body was still intact And I was able to remember all my biblical knowledge and knowledge of the scriptures. And it was something just so neat just to experience. The doctors warned us as Jen started to emerge from the coma, her little body is thrashing back and forth, much like a baby in a crib. And she's in this bed that's zipped up like a tent to keep her from falling on the ground. And she's got a feeding tube, and she keeps getting wrapped up in this feeding tube. And it took like five of my friends to unwrap her. And as she's thrashing back and forth, the doctors warned us this next stage is called the agitation stage. And they said, Linda, she'll be cussing, even if she's never said a cuss word before, even pastors cuss, even nuns cuss. You know, with a head injury, you just you don't know who you are or where you are and she could be violent she might be biting you and so I didn't care I just Andy and I were like we just want her to wake up you know we just want to know she's in there and we had been praying at her bedside for weeks and we're both in wheelchairs and we're both so broken ourselves. and Josh is taking care of us and wheeling us around And as Jen started to emerge from this coma, she never said a cuss word. She would moan and groan in pain, and we couldn't really talk to her. But all of a sudden, she started talking to God. And the only time we could understand her is when she talked to God. And she would talk to him, and she would praise him for hours. And she would say, Lord, you are so good. You are so faithful. There aren't words to describe you. And she would just have this two-way conversation with him. It was like she was in God's throne room, and we were just allowed to hear it and she would say lord should i go or should i stay what would you have me do and then she'd listen and she'd say okay lord i can do it i'll do that it's as if god was giving her a plan for her life and she was agreeing to it and she'd be moaning in pain and we'd say jen can we pray with you and she'd say well he's right here just talk to him you know he's right in this room he's right in the bed and jen could just his presence was so real to her and it was a hard thing to watch because even though she, we brought in the wow worship CDs and the praise music and we would read God's word and she would quote along whole chapters because it was the power of God himself talking through her. Because they would ask her, the therapist would come in and say, Jen, how old are you? And she'd say, 52. And they'd say, do you have a brother? And she'd say, no, I have a sister. And she didn't know anything. She didn't know who we were, but she knew God. And those therapists would come by her bedside and they'd say, Jen, raise your right arm or raise your right leg. And she could not do it, but she could quote whole chapters of the Bible. Imagine that. And the contrast that we were seeing. And one day, I'll never forget, my friend Pam had dressed me and bathed me and put me in the wheelchair that day. And we drove an hour and a half to see Jennifer. 
and it was sunny outside, and I said to Pam, we're going to take her outside. Well, she didn't like to go outside because it hurt her eyes. She was almost completely blind, and she's shaking her head no, and I said to Pam, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're taking Jen outside, and so Pam pushes her out, and I'm following behind in my wheelchair, and we go outside, and Jen is kicking Pam because she doesn't have control of her legs, and Pam's on the ground rubbing her feet. I can still picture it. Pam is rubbing her feet to try to calm her, and it's Christmas time, and we're singing Silent Night. And in the middle of singing that song, all of a sudden, Jennifer stops thrashing, and she just starts glowing. And she's looking up in the sky, and she is just singing Silent Night. And she's not even aware Pam and I are there anymore. And at the end of Silent Night, she just goes, Amen! And I looked at her, and I said, Jennifer, do you see Jesus? And she said, Yes. Don't you see him? He is standing right beside me. And when Jennifer couldn't see me, her own mother, somehow she could see the Lord and he made his presence so real to her. And she loves to talk about that. Can you tell them how you like to view God? Sure. Um, Well, I love to view the Lord as my escort because there are so many different Bible verses that talk on how if you have invited the Lord into your heart to be your Savior, how he will never leave you or forsake you. And it always just helped me have the confidence and just um, belief that I needed and security just to know that the Lord is walking by my side every step of the way. And Jen wants every one of you in this room to know, if you know Christ as your personal Savior, he walked in this room with you today. And you are never alone because Jesus is your escort. And Jennifer still struggles in a lot of ways. You can't tell by looking at her, but I'll just tell you a quick story. I came, I teach Bible study um, at our church to about 550 women every Tuesday. And I got home one day at about 1 o'clock, and Jennifer met me at the door. She had been home, and she said, oh, I'm exhausted. And I said, Jen, you are. Well, what? you do today and she said well and she thought for a minute and she goes well I got up (laughs) and so we were laughing you know and Andy was with her that day and he said well actually she crocheted a scarf she wrote a journal to the Lord on her iPad and I took her to lunch but at that moment Jen could not remember anything she had done that day because she still struggles with her short-term memory Um, she still has pain and headaches every day and her vision is still bad reading is hard for her but God keeps healing her and he keeps doing new things in her and so every day she rolls out of bed and she lands on her knees because she says I cannot take one step without the Lord and she would just like to challenge everyone in this room to do that because it will change your life she just I wish you could hear her she'll say father I need you every day I need you and then she'll say I don't want to miss one plan you have for me today and you know it's the funnest thing to be with Jen because you never know what a day holds and you know we spoke earlier and and Jen did awesome and we're in the back room and she's praying heaven down over Pam and I and then Pam doesn't know this but the next thing you know she ate a sugar donut (laughs) and then she starts shaking her body and she's saying it was great but then her body is shaking and she can't hardly walk and she's unstable And so she struggles all the time and she needs God and she just cries out to him wherever she is. And she said, this is Satan. So she's in the bathroom going, Satan, you're not going to win because um, I know my God is all powerful. And she relies on God every day, and he enables her to do things that she's incapable of. He does. And she praises God, and she prays out loud to him, and she'll say, Lord, whisper hope in my ear. And can you share with them just some of the things you ask God to tell you? Well, you know, I just I love to ask the Lord just for his strength, just that he'll tell me that I can do it, that I can make the finish line, 
that he believes in me and that he'll be there to help me every step of the way, that he'll give me his courage. You know, one of the first things Jen learned to do when she came home from the hospital, she didn't eat for five months, um, and she was very confused, and she um, just had so many problems, had huge anxiety, could not walk in a room full of people. Um, She just had all these problems. Uh, She couldn't even walk in the doctor's office. Um, She couldn't be around people. Her body would shake. It was hypersensitive. We had to, like, brush her body every two hours with a plastic brush to desensitize her because she would scream and cry in the shower the shower felt like needles just hitting her body. So many problems. And yet the first thing she learned how to do was to turn on the praise music on the radio. And she would be dancing in the living room and praising God in the midst of all those pain and problems. And she would be smiling and and just giggling. She had uncontrollable laughter. And the doctor said she should have, you know, uncontrollable tears. But she was laughing and praising God. And um, Andy and I would be weeping. And she would say, I'm so sorry, but I'm just so full of joy. And the only time that she was not confused is when she was praising God and listening to that praise music. It was unbelievable to watch. And, you know, as parents, and I know Josh will tell you as well, um, Jennifer was so joyful because she had experienced God in a way most of us will probably never get to experience until we get to heaven someday. But she had been in his presence, and she had gotten a glimpse of his glory, and she knew this life was not all there is. And he was her rock, and she just clung to him every single second of the day. But, you know, as her mom, as I'm watching her, it was just painful. And I was just wondering, you know, Jen's praising God, and I felt nothing inside. It's like I was dead inside. Has anybody ever been dead inside? I I had cried so much, and I had hurt so much that I just started to put up walls because I didn't want to hurt anymore. And, you know, as the pastor talked about identity this morning, God was just speaking to my heart. You know, at age 15, Jennifer was a varsity cheerleader, a varsity soccer player, a straight-A student. She had a boyfriend. She had all these things. But yet, in her private journal, she was begging. God to take her life and do the impossible with it. She was begging God for boldness. And you know, Jen had all those things taken from her in just a second. Her identity was taken from her. And yet she was so joyful because her identity was not in those things. Her identity was who she was in Christ. And no one can take that from you. No matter what you go through in this life, no one can take your love relationship away. But as her mom, I struggled terribly, and I still struggle. I have a choice every day if I'm going to be bitter or if I'm going to be better. And you have that same choice. Whatever you're going through, every day we have a battle for our mind. And while Jen was praising God, I was just struggling because I was afraid I was going to be disappointed with God. Because I was begging God to heal Jen and give her back who she was before. I wanted to get her back to her old life. And I was, you know, I was looking at Jen and I was, I was just in my mind saying to God, this is not the miracle that I prayed for, you know. God, you're not answering my prayers. Yes, Jen's awake and yes, she's alive and yes, she's walking, but she doesn't even know what day it is and she doesn't even know she's hurt. She's got 20 problems and she doesn't even know. Her friends are all moved on and she doesn't even know. 
And I was worrying. I was just having this battle with God, not out loud, but in my head. And this day, I'll never forget it. I was afraid I was going to be disappointed with God because I knew he was all-powerful, and I knew he could take all her problems away if he wanted to. And Jen marched around the corner, and she looked at me that day, and she got in my face with her finger, and she said, even if you think God has disappointed you, he has not because he is not finished yet. And I went, ah, she read my mind, you know. But that day when I really started confessing to the Lord, what he showed me was in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. It says that day the words just jumped off the page at me. And it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing what? A new thing. And yes, Jen was never going to be who she was before. Our family was never going to be who we were before, but God was doing something new. He had new things for us to do, and he's using us all over the world to travel and speak and share that God is real. Because God hasn't healed Jen completely, her story shouts that God is real. How could she be joyful any other way? And God is healing others. That's what's amazing. God showed me this week. He's healing others spiritually. Because of Jen's brokenness, he's healing others. And there's people that are coming to Christ that would never step foot in church. They'll read that story. They'll watch that video. It's unbelievable what our God can do. And I just want Josh to share for a minute, as we travel and speak as a family, there is probably the biggest question people ask us is about forgiveness. They want to know how do you forgive and why do you even want to forgive. And I just want him to share from his heart. All right, well, um, forgiveness is kind of a tough thing to talk about, I guess. Um, But through what happened with us, uh, there was obviously a lot of forgiveness that needed to go around. Um, I mean, there was a lot of people that we needed to forgive, and um, one being the drunk driver, one being the policeman. And, um, you know, at a point, um, you know, I'll speak for me and Dad, I mean, and Mom. At a point, we were bitter inside. Um, You know, we had... Um, hatred towards those people for what they had done um, and and just to see for me I know I wasn't mad as what he did to me but just to see what how he did to my sister and um, I just want to let you know like if you don't forgive uh, people who have wronged you I know everybody out here somebody has wronged them um, if you don't forgive uh, it eats you up inside and um, it's kind of like a toxin if you don't get rid of it it'll It'll uh, destroy you. And, um, and first off, we can't forgive on our own strength. Um, we can only forgive with the Lord's strength, with the Lord's help. And first you have to call upon his name to help you forgive that person. And um, also, um, once, you ask, once you go and forgive that person, then it frees you up. Um, I know if you're... Like you're like, I'm going to be bitter towards that person. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to forgive them. And you're hoping that it hurts them. It's not going to hurt them. It's only going to hurt you more. Um, you know, they're not thinking about you. You're the one who's um, pondering it inside and it's only hurting you. So you need to get rid of that. So then the Lord can use you and can free you up. And, um, and the Lord wants you to get rid of that because the Lord is um, the God of today. And he wants to use you in the now. Um, he doesn't want to wait 10 years to use you. He wants to use you today for his glory. And, um, a verse that goes along with this is Matthew uh, 6:15, and it says, um, "If we don't forgive, then God can't forgive us." And uh, I just want you guys to kind of think about that. Like, 
that's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we don't forgive other human beings, then the Lord of the universe can't forgive us. And think of how many times that we have wronged God. And so I encourage you guys today, um, if you're dealing with bitterness or you need to go forgive someone, just like we had to, um, you know, ask, tap into the Lord's strength and ask him to help you to do that so that you can have peace in uh, that situation. Thanks, Josh. Five months, five months after the wreck, Jen was home, and we were sitting in this chair and a half together, and we were real close like this, and her eyes were still not very good. Her vision wasn't good, but she was close enough to me to see the scar on my face. And she noticed it for the first time, and she looked at me, and she said, Ah, what's wrong with you? And I said, Well, Jen, we've been in a car wreck, and I'll never forget what she said to me that day. She looked at me and said, Mom, I wish I was hurt instead of you. And, you know, Jennifer was so hurt, she didn't know she was hurt. And she had scars all over her body that she didn't even know she had. And as that year went on and as God started to heal her a little more, she started to realize that she had scars and she didn't like them very much. And so we would talk about it from time to time. And what did we decide our scars were? Beauty marks. Yeah. Of God's faithfulness and of how he can bring good and promises to bring good through Every circumstance that you may go through. There's a song by Point of Grace called Heal the Wound. Can you quote part of that? Sure. Um, yes, the song says, Heal the wound, Lord, but leave the scar. It's a reminder of how merciful you are. Help me never to forget that place that you brought me from, out of that rubble that you found me in. Please show me and help me never to forget that with you there is beauty in my suffering and that you promise to make all things new. And as I look at your faces today, you may not have physical scars, but every single person in this room has emotional scars. Um, We all have things that we go through that hurt us and that are painful. And God says, bring all your scars to me, and I want to make it into something beautiful. I'm making you into a beautiful masterpiece that I can use. And one day, Jen and I were talking about scars, and you said, oh, well, somebody else has scars. Yes, um, Jesus has scars, but his scars shout, I love you. His scars shout, you were worth it. His scars shout, I would do it again just to have a personal, intimate love relationship with you. Jesus went to the cross, and he paid an unpayable debt for each one of us. It was a debt that we could not pay. Um, Jennifer loves to journal. She journaled before the brain injury, and and her journals are all in the Miracle for Jen book now for the whole world to see. But she's journaling again, and we put her journals in this little book, and that's the book the pastor loves so much because she just writes her prayers to God, and they're beautiful. But at the back of the book, she wrote all about God's love, and it's so powerful. And I just realized this week, actually, that when I would read, read this, Jen would say it along with me in my ear, and I thought, she knows that for memory. And so I'm going to ask her to try and quote that for memory, what she wrote about God's love. And it starts by saying, I know life can be confusing at times. Um, Yes, I know life can be confusing at times. It can be unfair and painful. But God loves everything about you. He even knows how many hairs are on your head. He created you, and he takes great delight in you. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you any more or any less than he does right now. 
He loved you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. It is as simple as realizing your need for a savior. I can't do it on my own and neither can you. God wants to come to your rescue. God does not force us to love him. Because if he did, it wouldn't be real love. He gives us a choice. God longs to have a personal, intimate love relationship with you. He wants to be your healer, deliverer, shield, and defense, strong tower, and your best friend. A couple years ago, we were speaking as a family in a church, and, and a bunch of our friends had come to hear us. And afterwards, we went out to eat at a pizza hut, and Jen was a lot more injured then than she is now. And when she heard music, she was much like a child. Does anybody have little kids that when they hear music, they like to move and dance? And Josh was whispering to me in the earlier service, I still do that, you know, <laughs> he left it. Um, so we were in a pizza hut and Jen hears the music and, sh- and I'm still trying to fix her. You know, moms, you can relate. I'm trying to fix her and cover up and make her look not as injured as she is. And I don't want anybody to know how bad it is. And, but not her dad, not Andy. If Jen was acting crazy or being loud, he'd just act crazy with her, you know, and he would just do what she was doing. And so Jen's pulling him out of the chair and she's saying, Daddy, I want you to dance with me. I want to waltz with you. And so he's like, okay. And so they just get up and they start dancing around that pizza hut and I'm just horrified I'm thinking oh no you know people are gonna think we're weird and um they just they didn't care what anybody thought of them they just start waltzing around and next thing you know they're waltzing around the salad bar and you can just picture it I mean they're just glowing and they're singing to each other and as they're dancing around that pizza hut all of a sudden as I'm watching them tears start streaming down my face Because I realize this is a beautiful picture of how our Heavenly Father loves each one of us. He doesn't say, I'm going to fix you first, and then I'll love you. No, he says, come to me just as you are. God says to each one in this room, I love you exactly how you are. There is nothing you can do to make me love you any less or any more. And I believe if we could see Jesus standing here today, he would be standing up here and he would say, bring all your scars to me. Bring all your mess to me. I know Jen and I love the quote, my mess is my ministry. Whether your mess was something you created or someone else created for you, I believe Jesus would just say, bring your mess to me. Bring all the broken pieces, all your past failures, all your past regrets. Just bring them to me and pile them at my feet. And I'm going to put you back together again into a beautiful mess masterpiece that I can shine through and God wants to shine through you and you know for years I was wanting Jen to be normal I was begging God to make her normal and he said to my heart Linda why do you want her to be normal when I've set her apart to be extraordinary and I'm going to do the miraculous through her And I just want to challenge every single one of you in this room. Why do you want to be normal and blend in when God wants you to be extraordinary? And if you're a Christian, you have the supernatural power of God himself living inside of you. And shame on you if you don't stand out and look different and act different. The power of God should be shining through you. Just like Jen, everywhere she goes, she witnesses to people and tells them about the Lord everywhere she goes. 
Josh is saying in the bathroom. It's just everywhere. And people don't run from her. They run to her. And God wants every single one in this room to be extraordinary and to shine his light to the world. And I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. When we travel and speak, um, we always give an opportunity for those who may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior to accept him. Because, folks, that's what this is all about. It's not about the Barrick family. It's about do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Jen often says, Dad, we would do this all over again. We'd go through this horrible accident and all the pain and struggle if one person came to know Jesus, wouldn't we? That's the heart of the Barrick family. We want you to meet Jesus today if you don't know him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he was raised from the dead, that you will be saved we want to give you that opportunity right now. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And you can pray along. And it's just from your heart to the Lord's heart. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Dear Jesus, I know that you came to this earth. That you died on a cross. That you were buried and you rose again for me. And Lord Jesus, today, right now, I want to settle it for all of eternity. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart today and save me. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I want to spend the rest of eternity with you. Give me the strength until we meet in heaven one day to follow after you on this earth and to be salt and light to everyone I come in contact with. Save me today. With no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer, a prayer similar to that, would you just slip up your hand so we could rejoice with that decision? Anyone here today? I see several hands in the back. Up top in the balcony. I see that hand. You know, the scripture says that all of heaven is rejoicing over the decision you just made to accept Christ as Savior. And we rejoice with you. It's the most important decision you will ever make in life. If I could have everyone stand with your heads bowed, please stand to your feet. There's something else we have to ask you. Couple questions. With no one looking around, do you need to forgive someone today? I'm telling you, folks, it's huge. Where we go and we speak, it's amazing the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness that people are holding inside. And if you want to be used of the Lord, you have to take that person off of your hook and put them onto the Lord's so you have freedom for him to use you. If that's you today with no one looking around, if you could just raise your hand and say, Andy, Jennifer, Linda, Josh, there's someone I need to forgive. I see those hands, hands everywhere, hands everywhere going up. Thank you for being honest. We're going to have Jen pray here in a second. 
And I'm going to do something really bold here. I'm going to ask you another question. And then everyone who rose your, raised your hand, I'm just going to ask you to slip out and come to the front and allow Jennifer to pray over you. And there are going to be pastors at the front here. They can help you and pray with you. One other question, and you can start coming. People are coming right now. If you need to forgive someone, just step out and come. But if you're hurting and broken today and you want God to use your story, you want to move past. We want to move past the accident. We want to be known as a family that loves Jesus. If you need healing in your heart today, if you're broken, I'm going to ask you to come and have Jennifer pray over you. Don't worry about the person standing next to you. It's not worth it. Don't worry about them. Come on. If you want healing in your soul today, whatever it is, if you're hurting and broken, come forward. And we're going to give a little time. Thank you for being honest, folks. This is beautiful. If you need Jesus to heal you in your soul today, come on forward. We're going to have Jennifer pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, we come to you with such open hearts, just on our faces before you, Lord, and just thank you just for speaking hope and salvation and just encouragement to our hearts today. Help us just not to lose that excitement and that passion. And Lord, just show us what it means to have that. I love that word passion, because what you think, what you believe, where you stand. And Lord, we just want to put our passion today in truth. Not just any truth, but you and you alone. Your truth that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The truth that will sustain us no matter what we experience in life. So thank you, Lord, for how you meet us, whether or not we're in the valley or in the mountaintop. For if we are... Um, going through hard times right now or victories. Lord, thank you for how you rejoice with us and how you carry us when we can't see. So, Lord, I want to thank you for that. And please just continue to move in hearts today. I know that all of heaven is rejoicing with us right now. And my heart is just so overwhelmed with excitement. I just am so thrilled just to be part and to just see your working hand that's what I love about you, Lord, is, you know, you meet us right where we are at and just how we can just feel you and know your realness and that we know it's only from above. Thank you for that expectation that is in you and you alone and in your name. And, Lord, please show us how we can carry that and minister to the world and all we say and do, Lord. We just want to proclaim the world to the world that we are your child. To your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Jen and family, thank you so much. I'd love to have any other members of our ministry council or elected leaders to come. We need some others to come and join us in prayer. Jen, you're going to be signing, worshiping, leading us in worship with a wonderful song. And I've gotten to experience this with you twice. I can't wait to do it again. But as people still come and we'll be here to pray with you. And Jen, the name of this song, Oh, You Are God Alone. Amen. So, come as she sings. 